So yes, it is good to be with you. For in recent years, I've often asked myself the question, how can we endure? How can we keep going well? Um, how can we endure faithfully in difficult ministry for many years on end? And this is not just for people who are in ministry, pastors or missionaries or things like this. If any of us are believers, we are in ministry. Uh, and so maybe your ministry is that you're struggling to keep faithfully witnessing to unbelieving family members. where You're losing heart that they can ever come to Christ. Or maybe you're struggling to just keep raising those children with disabilities. Or to keep going with joy when your spouse has passed away. We all have things God is calling us to that are difficult. It is difficult to endure. When we were young, we were passionate and it was easy and the world was ahead of us. And after, and maybe we're still that way, but for most of us after some decades, it's tiring. <laughs> it's hard to keep going. It's hard to keep up the fight and to keep up the walking with God. And I see a lot of middle-aged people like me getting worn out. <laughs> and it's difficult. Um, it's, and it's easy to have excuses about like, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not so young anymore. It's like, well, this is objectively true. <laughs> um, I don't have the energy anymore. It's like, yep, I have less energy than I used to have. You know, I, I, I turned 55 this year. And it used to be with speed limits, uh, if you were over 55, you needed to slow down. But now you don't have to slow down until you're at least 65. So uh, that's encouraging to me at least. Um, uh, but, but I don't have as much energy as I had years ago. And, or you could say, oh, look, look at all I've done over the years. Isn't that enough? Like, it is good that you've been walking with God faithfully. But the future, we can still keep walking with God. Uh, and it's not, we don't just say, well, my resume is complete enough. Like, let's keep walking with God to the end. Let's keep chasing him to the end. Keep ministering to others to the end, not just giving up, not because we have to do more to earn God's favor. We have God's favor. So we respond by continuing to live for him. Paul addresses these questions. How can you keep going? How can you keep enduring in this passage in 2 Corinthians 4? Um, and the church in Corinth had gone through a lot of difficulties, like really any church has. But New Testament church era, there was a lot of persecution. There was a lot of uncertainty. They didn't have any long-term history. Imagine having a church where nobody's been a believer for more than 10 years because the gospel's only been preached in your area for 10 years. And so all the depth and maturity that you have from a church that's been around for decades and decades and many people in your church that have been believers decades and decades, and well, it's your younger church and there are new heresies coming along and there's persecution and there's difficulty. It's not easy. So the church had gone through a lot of difficulties, but Paul and his team had been through even more difficulties than the church had. Uh, so how did Paul keep going? He was an old man around this time and kept ministering as he kept getting older. How did he keep going? How did he encourage the church in Corinth to keep going, to not give up? Now, and when you're suffering, and you're having difficulty with endurance, it's very easy to conclude one of three things. One, you might say, I'm doing something wrong. If I'm obedient, 
And in the will of God, things should be easy. And there's some theology that will teach that. If you're obedient to God, everything will be easy. That's not been my experience. Certainly was not Paul's experience. (laughs) And Paul addresses that in this passage. Another thing you might say is, God has abandoned me. How can a loving God allow me to suffer like this? That's also addressed in this passage. Or you might, your response might be just give up. It's just not worth it. Paul also addresses that. It is worth it. It is worth it to keep loving God and serving him. All of these wrong conclusions are addressed in this passage. So let's start out looking at this first, the first paragraph. On, I'm reading always from ESV, English Standard Version. And uh, it's divided into three paragraphs. I find that helpful. So this first section... Okay, we have this at verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Okay, first off, what is this treasure that we're talking about? And actually, the verse before explains it. Always when you have a question about something you're reading in the Bible, read the passages before and after, and you usually can get the explanation from that. The verse before, which I don't have up there, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So this treasure is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have an amazing treasure. We have knowledge of the living God. We have salvation. There is therefore now no condemnation. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, this is such a treasure. For Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he, he buried it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had to get that treasure. So that's a treasure where you gladly sell everything else to get that treasure. And are you somberly selling everything else to get that treasure? No, in your joy. What you're getting is so much better than what you gave up. What you're getting is so much better than what you gave up. So that is the treasure. And then this says, um, and then verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay. It's like, okay, uh, jars of clay aren't things we use a lot now. But in the ancient world, that was a common metaphor for human weakness. Jars of clay. It's like we're limited. We're, we're not spectacular. We can't do everything. Um, now, if we were, and, and, and so we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? What is accomplished by this? Now, if we were living lives of success and prosperity and perfect health all the time, it would be natural to think, wow, look how great I am. I am so good. I am so impressive. Look at my amazing ministry. Look at all that I've accomplished. And all the credit goes to me. And that's what a lot of us would really rather have. But that's not God's way. (laughs) But we live and minister in weakness. Why? To show, the second half of verse 7, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. If everything was easy, people could see, oh, wow, Peter, he's pretty amazing. But we're struggling. We're barely making it through, and God is still being glorified. We say, wow, that God is amazing, who strengthens 
that person in the midst of struggle and weakness. Our God is amazing. It is not us who are amazing. Um, it's his power. It's not ours. Our weakness gives glory to God by making it obvious that the power is from God, not from us. That's what this passage is arguing. There's a lot of suffering in the Christian life. If somebody, when they were witnessing to you, gave you the promise, come to Jesus and everything will be great, their theology wasn't very complete. <laughs> we come to Jesus, it's better, but, but there's real difficulty in this life. Uh, and that's good. That is good. That's from God. It's easy to feel like, it's easy for us to sometimes feel like, if only I can be, have more faith and more trust in God, then everything would go much better. And like, you know, some things might go a lot better if you're obedient and trusting God. Read the book of Proverbs. A lot of problems happen because you're foolish. And so doing the, having wise and righteous living, normally your life does go better in a lot of things. Um, but victorious life is not one of no suffering. Paul is describing, uh, what Paul is describing this as a life of victorious faith, starting in verse 8. It's like, wait, this is victorious faith? At each point, he's stressing that suffering is real, but it could be much worse. <laughs> or suffering is real, it could be much worse. First one, we're afflicted, but not to the point of being crushed. It's like, hey, it's difficulty. It's difficult, but we're not utterly crushed. <laughs> like, it could be worse. We're able to keep going. We're perplexed, but not to the point of despair. And so, you know, sometimes we think, you know, if I'm walking with God, I will always know what's the right thing to do. Paul talked about being perplexed, which means he didn't know what he should be doing. He was confused. He didn't always know what the right answer was. So if you're feeling perplexed, you're in good company. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Uh, perplexed, but not driven to despair. So not to the point of like, I just give up. Like, I'm perplexed, I, I don't understand, I'm not sure of this, but, but I'm trusting God. <laughs> but the life of faith is not that you always know what you're supposed to be doing, but one that you're not despairing when you're not sure of the way forward. It's not a time of despair. And next, we're persecuted, but not forsaken by God. Even in persecution, this is not being rejected by God. You're rejected by people. Okay, we can deal with being rejected by people, but we're not rejected by God. And it's so important in suffering to remember God has not forsaken us. We're, we are persecuted, not forsaken. We're not forsaken by God. We're not forgotten by him. Um, and we're struck down, but not to the point of being destroyed. <laughs> so it's difficult, but it's not, it's not the end of things. So it could be worse, but it, it's very real. Uh, perseverance is not riding, or is, perseverance is not riding a wave of success. It's not, oh, I'm a Christian, so I just go from success to success. Christian life, especially if you're active in ministry, has a lot of failure. There's a lot of difficulty, a lot of, oh, I tried that, it didn't work out. Let me try something else. If you are active in evangelism, you are failing all the time because probably the vast majority of people you share with are not coming to Jesus. No, you're succeeding in that God is glorified by the proclamation of his word. But your goal is for people to come to Christ. 
we keep going when we fail. By God's grace, we know ultimately it is worthwhile. Uh, it's comparatively easy to keep going when everything's going well. That's not perseverance, like, I'm, I'm in great health, I'm successful, everything's going great. Perseverance is easy in that situation. Where we so desperately need God's grace and strength is in the normal situation, which is when life is not going so great, when there are real difficulties. And praising, and like often I hear people in, in recent years, like you say some good news about something that happened, and they respond, wow, God is good. Yes, he's good. And when you express great suffering and difficulty, I think we should also say, God is good. God is good. It's not just God is good when everything's happy and everything's nice. God is good all the time. And, and we particularly need to remember that when, it, when the circumstances seem terrible. And so this is something we are reminded of with us. And so with all this difficulty, all this persecution being struck down, being afflicted, um, what is accomplished by this? Um, and then... Paul continues in the same paragraph, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So as we suffer, this is what's happening. We display Jesus' death to the world in our suffering so that we can also display his life in how we respond to that suffering and how he gives us grace in the midst of that suffering. So God is saying here, it's like we are displaying the death of Jesus in suffering. How do people know what Jesus' suffering was about? That we suffer. That's part of how Jesus communicates that to other people. And we display Jesus' death so that his life is evident in us. If, if you are always healthy and always wealthy, and everything's always going great, then an unbeliever says, wow, I want Jesus so I can get all that stuff. That glorifies wealth and health. If you are having health issues, and you're having other personal struggles, and, you're, and people are seeing this, but they're seeing you're still in peace, you're still at peace, you're still in, having joy, and you're still trusting God, then that testifies, wow, your God is something amazing to be able to sustain you in the midst of that. God's power is displayed as he enables us to endure adversity. And then, um, so yeah, so verse 11, so we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. It's like, what a life, always being given over to death. But for Jesus' sake, it's for his glory. Again, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Again, Jesus's life and death are shown as a, through our suffering and obedience in the midst of that. Um, and then verse 12, so death is at work in us, but life in you. Here Paul contrasts the death in him, Paul as the apostle, with the life in you, the Corinthian church, where he has been ministering. Um, so he was suffering so that the church might have life. This is so much the heart of a parent. You lay down your life so that that child can have a better future, so that that child can be doing well. And it's a sacrificing for that other person, as well as so much of Christian leadership of how can I sacrifice to be able to help 
the church, to be able to help others, to be a blessing to others. Um, now, is that honor? Is that love and sacrifice always honored by the recipients? Nope. <laughs> but that's, that's the nature of sacrifice for people. You don't lay down your life and love people with the expectation of, okay, you need to be thanking me enough. <laughs> Come on, kids, why aren't you thankful enough? Like, we can't assume that. We are ministering to God in laying down our lives for others. Those others might appreciate it. They might recognize it. They might not. Anyone in Christian leadership has experienced pouring their life into people who then betray them and badmouth them and criticize them. We need to keep going in joy and love. This will happen. Um, how many parents have experienced pouring their lives into their children and then their children resent the parents? We need to keep loving them. And that is, that is dying <laughs> for others. So in this paragraph, this first paragraph, God is saying, cheer up. God is still with you in your suffering. First, God is still with you in all of this. God is with you. A second thing, it could be worse. <laughs> you're struck down, you're not destroyed. All these situations could be worse. And also the cross of Jesus is revealed to others through our suffering. God is glorified. He is revealed through our suffering. Then let's move to the second paragraph. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses, uh, starting in verse 13. Um, For since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing, knowing, that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So even though we die with Christ to the, in this world, we know that he will raise us. He who raised Jesus will also raise us. So we might be suffering now, but we're going to be raised from the dead. That's amazing. And not just raised from the dead in these same fallen bodies, but raised in the dead with resurrection bodies and with eternity with the Lord. Um, so don't worry that you're dying now. Your future is glorious. And all of us are dying. I remember there's one leader in our, uh, there's one, one leader I know, uh, a faithful Christian leader. Someone asks, so, so Tim, how's it going? He just says, I'm dying. <laughs> and we're all dying. It's just a matter of how long is it going to take? It might be 80 years. It might be five years. But we're all dying. That, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> you can't avoid it. Um, I mean, if Jesus returns before we die, okay, we avoid it. But <laughs> that's the only way to avoid it. Um, and so, but don't worry. But our future is glorious uh, with that. Um, knowing that he raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Such a glorious promise. In verse 15, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Um, so again, Paul's sufferings are for the sake of others, so that the gospel may spread to more and more people. That results in more thanksgiving to God, more glory going to him. Um, it helps to endure adversity, and endure difficulty and suffering if you know that your work or ministry brings blessing to others. You say, it's like, wow, I'm really struggling, but I know I'm still a blessing to my children. I know I'm still able to serve in church. 
and do these things that are really a blessing. I know I'm still able to help this ministry out there. And I mean, that's, that is an encouragement to us. And this is also a heart of a loving parent going to effort and suffering in order to help others. It's not about me. If, our, if your life is about you and your comfort, then when you're suffering, it's a really dark thing. If your life is, hey, how can I be serving others? And yeah, yeah, there is difficulty. But God is glorified in that and I get to keep serving others? That's, that's great. And it amazes me to see how many faithful servants of God have great medical problems and are in great pain and keep going. What a blessing. What a blessing to have folks like that. Uh, but now here a question comes up. Is our main rejoicing in the fruit of our ministry or in our future with God? So like for me in Christian work, are we rejoicing in, oh, look at the fruit, look at the impact we've had? Is that our main rejoicing? Or look at how our children have grown up? Or is our rejoicing in something else? You know, Jesus addressed this when he sent out the 72 in ministry in villages. Um, in Luke chapter 10, 17 to 19, at the end of Jesus seven, sending out 72 of his disciples, he said, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Hey, we had power ministry. It was great. Let me tell you all these stories of healing and miracles and things like this. And Jesus affirms them. Uh, and then he said to them, Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. It's like, yes, I have given you this ministry power. It's great that you're doing this. But nevertheless... Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The main thing to be rejoicing in is not, wow, look at the impact my life has had. Some of us can really rejoice in that. Some of us, we look back and say, I don't have a lot of impact. But some of us have had a lot of impact. But even then, the disciples having this amazing impact and ministry, God, uh, Jesus said to them, don't rejoice in this ministry success, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We are saved. We are saved. That is such good news. If you feel like, oh, yeah, okay, that's nice. I feel like early in my Christian life, it's like, oh, yeah, of course I'm going to heaven. Sure, whatever. Now, what can I do for God now? I find increasingly, I am increasingly in love with just the idea that I'm saved. This is such good news. And that is such a motivation that enables me to risk my life in ministry. It enables me to keep going because everything is taken care of. I'm in fundamentally in a fantastic situation. And nothing can change that. So I just want to keep running in that path. What a gift. What a blessing. Lots of our songs are about that, of just the joy that we are saved. It's so Wonderful. And let's remember that. Let's remind ourselves of that. That helps us so much to endure. So cheer up. We'll be raised into heaven. Cheer up. Our future is absolutely fantastic. Uh, and in this life, there will be suffering. Oh, yeah. It's not that long, which is what gets us into the third paragraph. Um, so 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, starting verse 16. Um, so we do not lose heart. So all of this stuff, conclusion, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, 
Our inner self is being renewed day by day. So because of all these things, we don't lose heart. We know God's power is displayed and that he's glorified in our weakness. We know that we will be raised from the dead. Then he says, okay, so though our outer self is wasting away, you know, as we age, our bodies inevitably decline, though some of us aren't exactly wasting away, I would say. Uh, but, um, but God's promise is not physical strength and vitality forever. I, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling it. I mean, I, I feel like I'm still a young man. I'm 55. I'm not a young man. Um, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. Inner self is being renewed day by day. Our spirits are being renewed and strengthened. So yes, your body will weaken as you age. My, I was just visiting with my brother in New Jersey. He's two years older than me, regularly lifts weight, lifts weights. He looks very muscular, just like me. Um, uh, he's quite different, but still he's wasting away. And it's, it's inevitable with that. But losing heart is not inevitable. We can be renewed Day by day, God's challenge to us here is to keep relying on him and reminding ourselves of the truth so we can be renewed day by day. Don't give in to despair. Don't give in to giving up. We can, by God's grace, be renewed. And it's day by day, not just once a week. So if your relationship with God is you come Sunday morning, you get pumped up, and then you pumped up, and then it's all downhill all week long, and you come to Sunday, get pumped up, I, I hope that's not your life. <laughs> we need to be renewed day by day. We need a daily relationship with God. I don't know what being renewed day by day is needed for you. For my wife, she will always listen to worship music or Christian uh, podcasts as she's cooking. Um, and that helps her. I need a lot of time praying. Uh, one thing as we've been empty nest, I've been reading out loud scripture after every meal after most of our meals together, and just reading scripture and discussing together. It's been wonderful. I mean, there's so much renewal that we've just had from that. We need constant renewal. We, we, we're leaky. God fills in us, we leak. We need to be constantly refilled. Um, and, that, and that also reminds me with this of, as I was preparing this, like, oh, reminded me of like old memory verse of Isaiah 40. Even youths, uh, Isaiah 40, 30, 31, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. It's like, hey, I'm old. I sometimes feel like, you know, I just don't have the energy I used to have. Yeah, I don't have an excuse. I can't just say, I just don't have the energy. I have to give in to that. Because <laughs> I think of this passage, yeah, even youths grow faint and weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So as we wait on God, he gives us the strength to keep going. Now, I'm not planning to run anytime soon unless someone's chasing me. But, um, but uh, to keep going, to keep running in the word, to keep running in our walks with God. Um, so when you wait on the Lord, he renews our strength. And then... In the back in the Second Corinthians passage, um, so sorry, we just had, we did not lose heart. Though our outer self was wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And then verse 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So wait, 
wait, hold on, hold on. Paul talks about his suffering as light, momentary affliction? This is Paul that was, like, flogged multiple times and shipwrecked a bunch of times and stoned and left for dead. I've never been stoned, praise God, never did drugs. Uh, but, it, but all these things, Paul suffered. All these things Paul suffered. And it's like way beyond anyone I've ever met uh, level of suffering. But he says it's light momentary afflictions. Like, wait, I, how are they mo- light and momentary? They're light and momentary compared with the eternal weight of glory, beyond all comparison. It's just a matter of what are you comparing it with. Now, don't pretend you haven't suffered. It's like, oh, how are you doing? I'm just fine. If you've had a terrible week, tell your brothers and sisters that you've had a terrible week and that you're struggling. Be open. Don't pretend that everything's always great. I think if you're in a church where the theology is, if you're faithful, then everything goes great, then you can't admit any problem because that shows your lack of faith. But that's not biblical theology. (laughs) Biblical theology is we're weak. We have problems. We're afflicted. Hey, brother, how have you been suffering recently? (laughs) Do we ask one another that? How can I encourage you? How can I bless you? I mean, it's it's like I don't want to burden you with my suffering, but I I need to burden someone. (laughs) It's helpful. It's helpful to be able to tell someone else about our suffering. So acknowledge this was difficult. But in light of eternity, our suffering is light. It's not heavy and overwhelming to carry because we're yoked to Jesus. He's carrying most of the load. Uh, in fact, he's carrying all the load. Um, and it's momentary. It's only lasting a short time. It's like, Peter, you don't know how long I've been suffering. This has been 60 years. Yeah, in light of eternity, 60 years is a really short time. I want to sympathize with you, but like in the words of the song, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. It's like 10,000 years, it's like we'll have, we'll have millennia in heaven and beyond. So like a short time suffering here is just, it's hard but it's short, it's momentary. And that is encouraging to us not to just say, just hold on and wait for heaven, but to keep pressing on and enduring in this life because it's short. As I, I, I often am talking with my coworkers in the country where we live, it's like, oh man, it's difficult here. We have eternity to enjoy stability and good government. We have eternity to enjoy stability and good government. It's only a few decades that we're in glory. <laughs> and so it's, a not a, it's only a few decades, so let's just forget this world. The world's going to hell. No, let's try to transform this world. Let's impact as many people as we can. Let's live our lives for Jesus. And yeah, it's difficult. And then we're in glory. But then how is it that... Um, okay, how is it that, like in verse 17, for this light momentary affliction is is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. How is it preparing something for us? Um, Some suffering leads directly to increased reward. Some suffering doesn't. But, like, look at Matthew 5, 11, and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Why? For your reward is great in heaven. For they... For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
This indicates some suffering directly results in greater reward. Some suffering, at least, directly results in greater reward, and some suffering is preparing us for that reward. You value a reward more if, you've, if you really need it. I remember the first time I tried fasting. Went for like, uh, I don't know, 24 hours without food. Man, that first meal, that was so good. I remember how good that Salisbury steak tasted. It's like I was so hungry for it. So our suffering now makes us say, oh, Lord, come again. If our lives now are fantastic, we say, Lord, wait. Don't come back quite yet. I'm, I'm just fine here. But when we're suffering, we're much more saying, come again, Lord Jesus. Rescue us from this place. I mean, that's a good heart's cry. So that suffering is preparing us. It's making us value that reward so much more. And again, and then verse 18, back to this. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. The things that are seen of this world, all there are problems. They're so obvious. They're so obvious. So consciously focus on the things that are unseen. Set your eyes on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The things that are seen are transient. Why focus on the unseen? Because it, it lasts so much longer. That's the stuff that's eternal. Focus on heaven. Focus on God's promises. Focus on God's character. That's what is lasting. Now imagine this. Your first grader, your first grade student, comes home from school. They're all upset because someone said something mean to them. Um, you want to help them get perspective. Like, you know, as a loving parent, you sympathize with their suffering. You don't say, oh, that's nothing. Let me tell you how much I suffered. Like, no, no. You sympathize with them, but you want to give them a realistic view of this isn't that big a deal. It's not going to last. You're going to have other friends. You're going to forget about this very soon. And we're helping them. We're giving them perspective, and we're getting them back to reality. Not this big problem that's right in front of me, but the reality of being in balance. And this is what God wants us to do. Get perspective. It's not mindless optimism of, oh, just think a happy thought. Like, no. Think of reality. The reality is the God of the universe, who is all-powerful, loves you. That's good news. That's not just good news. That's fantastic news. And that's reality. We're not denying reality to be happy. We're embracing reality to be happy. We're celebrating reality. In conclusion, I'll actually have a different verse in 1 Corinthians to a conclusion. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is all about Jesus' resurrection and the sureness of our coming resurrection. And I think it summarizes this well. In light of that, in light of the sureness of the resurrection, God tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Our suffering is real. Our outer selves are wasting away. But our future resurrection is sure. It is certain. And we will be given renewed bodies. Therefore, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Keep going. Keeping passionate, keeping abounding in the work of the Lord. Not just barely holding on, but this is a life of joy. We are rejoicing 
in our future. We're rejoicing in the reality of our current lives and the reality of the blessings of that suffering. Um, so the basis of endurance is truth. It's not blind optimism. The basis of endurance is truth and knowing that reality. That knowledge needs, leads to endurance. We know, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Not hoping against all hope, knowing. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Christian endurance is not just gritting our teeth and surviving. Not just hanging on by our fingernails, if we have any fingernails left. I don't know what God is calling you to in this season of life, but I know it involves difficulty. I know it involves suffering and challenges. God wants to tell you, don't lose heart. Don't give up. There might be an easy way out, but that's probably not God's way. There might be an easy way out. That's usually not God's way. Rejoice in the amazing future that God has for you. Let that joy now in the future and your joy now in God's sovereignty sustain you to be able to abound in the work of the Lord. By God's grace, we can find the joy to keep going despite any suffering and difficulty. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, what an amazing God you are. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you work all things for good. For those of us who love you, Lord, there are so many different passages we could talk about on this theme. But, Lord, give us grace to not lose heart, even as we're wasting away. Lord, I pray that we would, our spirits would be renewed day by day. Lord, renew us, refresh us. Oh, Lord, we need you. We need your power. Be glorified in our lives. Reveal yourself to a hurting world through our suffering and through our trusting in you in the midst of this suffering. Lord, bless us with joy and endurance. Hallelujah. Amen.